Will you bow your heads in prayer with me? <clears throat> God, we thank you for this day, and we ask that you would uh, speak to us uh, through your word. God, we thank you for all those who followed you to the cross. God, let their example remind us and guide us as we follow you to the cross. In your name we pray. Amen. Friends, this morning we are coming to the end of our sermon series, uh, and I think it is fitting uh, that we end uh, on Palm Sunday. When you think about all these witnesses who were at the cross, at the foot of the cross, each and every one of them would have been present at, uh, on Palm Sunday, when they were yelling with the crowds, Hosanna, Hosanna, Lord, save us. They wanted, to, they wanted Jesus to deliver them, uh, and it was a day of celebration where Jesus came down on a donkey into, uh, on a donkey into Jerusalem, symbolizing a king as if he had conquered the city. And by Thursday, uh, things had drastically changed for Jesus. He was betrayed uh, by, his own, by his friend, by his disciple. He was deserted by those who were called to follow him. Jesus, remember, goes to all the disciples and says, come follow me, take up the cross. And they deserted him and they ran away. They didn't quite deny themselves and follow the cross, but ran away from him. But few journeyed with Jesus, even to the cross. And last week, Pastor Cindy spoke about the women who were there at the cross, um, at the foot of the cross. And this morning, I want to focus on a character uh, that our tradition doesn't really focus on much. When I say our tradition, I mean the Protestant church. Uh, this sermon, uh, in many ways, is a homage uh, to Kim Reed. Uh, Kim passed away in 2019. She was 55 years old after a um, battle with cancer. Uh, Kim, Kim was a great mom, a great wife. Uh, she was married to Cliff, who's one of our church members for 24 years, uh, and um, her kids are into sports, uh, and she had no clue uh, anything about sports. Uh, she would just buy jerseys and chairs that were belonged to the other team because she liked the color blue, and so she bought Tennessee Titans gear. Apparently, uh, at one point, Kim... Uh, Cliff, her husband, said, all right, you can buy whatever is on sale, but you can buy Giants gear in this house. Uh, that's where you drew the line. You can't send your kids with Giants gear, right? Anybody? Any Giants fan I'm offending? All right, good. All right. So anyway, so this is an homage, uh, homage to her uh, in some ways because Kim, point, Kim grew up Catholic, and she pointed out something to one of the previous pastors at Mount Hope, that we, as United Methodists, don't really talk about Mary. Uh, we don't. There's not a lot of conversations about Mary uh, in this church. Uh, we talk about Mary um, maybe during Advent. We pull out the nativity scene out and we look at it. Um, and there's Mary. There are a couple of verses, a few sermons here and there. Uh, and that's pretty much it uh, about Mary. And then we kind of move on. Um, and this is a huge divide between the Catholic Church and the Protestant Church. Uh, how many of you grew up going to Catholic schools? Anybody? All right. All right. <laughs> In the Catholic church, uh, Catholic school, every day at noon, uh, there is a loudspeaker announcement, uh, and they're called to pray the Angelus, right? 
And uh, some of you, if you grew up in the Catholic Church, would know exactly what I'm talking about. And this is what you would hear through the loudspeakers every day. Hail Mary, full of grace, Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. And this is a striking difference. This is something that the Catholic Church does over and over again. And Mary shows up in their liturgy. And today, we're welcoming new members to Mount Hope Church. And there is no mention of Mary in our liturgy as we welcome them. But in the Catholic Church, there is, um, there is an emphasis uh, in terms of who Mary is. And uh, I want to share with you a couple of differences uh, and commonalities that the way the Catholic Church and the Protestant Church views Mary. Uh, in uh, 1431 AD, uh, there was a, a Council of Ephesus, is what it was called. It was a, a bunch of scholars, uh, learned people, all got together uh, at 431 AD that year. And they came together and they discussed about something. And they focused on um, that Mary was a perpetual virgin, that Mary uh, was never, uh, even though she was married to Joseph, she was a perpetual virgin. And that was, uh, uh, that's something that they declared uh, in 431. And uh, up until that point, there was not a whole lot. It's about 400 years since Jesus rose from the grave. Uh, and there's not, there wasn't much discussion about Mary up until that point because the church at that, in those early years was trying to establish who Jesus was. And they were trying to establish that Jesus was both fully God and fully human. So they didn't have much room to talk about Mary. So, so that's something that, our, uh, that, the, that the Catholic Church said, that she is a perpetual virgin. But what churches agree with this, that Mary was a virgin when she gave birth to Jesus, because that is crucial and fundamental for our understanding of Jesus' divinity. Uh, but we as United Methodists, as Protestants, don't quite agree that uh, Mary was a perpetual virgin. There's no scriptural evidence to support that uh, because there are texts uh, that say that Mary, uh, that Jesus had brothers and sisters. Um, and our Catholic friends would say to us that brothers and sisters means cousins. And the other uh, big difference uh, between both churches is how we see Mary's own birth. Um, in 1854, uh, Pope Pius, he made a statement or a declaration or a doctrine, if you will, that Mary was also uh, was an immaculate conception. Uh, the reason they wanted to hold Mary was born as an immaculate conception is so that she was so holy that she was able to give birth to Jesus who was also holy. But we kind of look at those scriptures, uh, that doctrine a little differently as United Methodist. Uh, we say Romans 3.24, uh, where we say that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. This implies that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was sinful as well and was in need of God's grace and forgiveness, uh, just like the rest of humanity. So these are some of the differences uh, that are there uh, between the Catholic Church and the Protestant Church. But this morning, I want to focus uh, on Mary. I want to go back to that story that we are familiar with that usually we talk about during Advent. When Angel Gabriel comes before Mary 
and gives her the news. She gives her the news that she's going to bear a son. And his name's going to be Jesus. And he's going to be the savior of the world. See, when that news was given to Mary, Mary had a lot of questions. Mary was a young teenager, and she had a lot of questions. Mary was living in a broken world at that time. Mary was living in a broken world where an unwed pregnant girl, teenager, was stoned to death. Mary was living in a context where she didn't quite understand what it means to be the mother to a savior of his people who will save them from their sins. Rather, Mary was living in a world where the Romans were persecuting the Jews, taxing them heavily and killing people at will. Into this broken world, Mary was supposed to raise the Son of God, who was going to save his people from their sins. How is Mary to do this? Mary responds to the angel by saying, Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. She says, Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Mary is willing to accept whatever challenges that are going to come her way. No matter what the road ahead, Mary is saying, Yes, I will say yes to this. I will say yes. This young teenager had no idea what she was saying yes to. She had no idea that she would walk towards the cross. She had no idea that she would watch her son being beaten, bruised, and nailed to a cross. She had no idea the pain that she would go through. And friends, I don't know if you are know of anyone who lost a child. I had the privilege of sitting with Marion, uh, who's 92 years old. She's been a member of our church for the past 62 years. Am I saying that right, Marion? Yes? Okay. All right. Uh, and I, want, I had a conversation with her about what it means to lose a son. And I want you to hear this. Well, I had three children, um, my daughter Linda, and then David, and then Marty. When David uh, was 23, he started having a pain in his, the muscle in his arm and not feeling well. And um, the doctor sent him to another doctor, and he didn't know what was wrong. And he went to several doctors, and nobody knew what was wrong until they put him in the hospital. Easter... Uh, Monday, 1979, when they took tests and they found out that he had cancer. Rhabdomyosarcoma, it was called, and uh, the doctor told me that's usually a child's disease and occasionally young men. And my young man had to get it, and that wasn't easy. And the doctor came over and said to me, he only has two months to live. And I said, oh no. He will live as long as the good Lord lets him. 
and he lived 10 months. He passed away February 3rd, 1980. That was an awful thing. In all my, in all my years, that's the worst thing I've ever been through, is losing a child. I, don't, I hope I don't get upset now because I could cry buckets at any time. <laughs> it's not easy losing a child. It's very hard. They, everybody loved him. At his funeral, the church was filled and the choir came out to sing for him. I was so glad they did. All I can say is that it's the worst thing. It's, it's so hard to give up your child to the grave. That's why I've asked God, why take my David? Because when you look at some of the young people today, they're just a, such a menace to society. And Dave was always a good kid. He was always great. And he, thank goodness he loved the Lord when he couldn't sleep during his illness he'd be in in there reading his bible and second uh, corinthians chapter four is what really got him through his illness reading that i guess i just i guess i just miss him missed him you know being in the family it was not an easy thing for any of us to go through it's it's hard and i had a couple people ask me they were losing children after i lost david because it was in the newspaper you know and I had a couple people call me and ask me how I did what I did and how I made out through it because they were experiencing that. So, and some people just want to, they want to blame God and they want to, you know, give up the Lord. And that's not the way to do it. I mean, you have to have faith. Ecclesiastes says there's a time to be born and a time to die. And everybody has their time in this earth. And there's nothing we can do about it. When the good Lord calls, we go. And I know that. It's just very hard when it happens to you. So it, it just, it was so hard in the very beginning when you really realize David's not here. He's not coming home from work anymore. It really leaves a void in your life when, when you lose somebody like that. And I've lost four sisters and my parents and my husband. But nothing affected me as bad as when I lost David. And it's so hard to lose a child. And I felt so bad for him because he was upset. But you know, about a month before he was buried, before he died, he said, you know, Mom, I'm ready to go. I've lived a good life, and uh, I'm ready to go. I said, David, I'm not ready to part with you yet. But he, he did really had a good feeling about it. He knew the Lord, and I'm so glad he did, because then I, I know I'll see him again. I, I love all my kids. And so when you lose one, it's, it's hard. It really is. I, I couldn't cry at any time, you know, about it, because he's the, when I think about him, because I miss him. And I would love to have seen him grow up and see what he was going to do with his life. I hope you can hear the grief in that mother's voice, even after all these years. I hope you hear the sorrow. I hope you hear the longing to see him and to be with him. Friends, that's what Mary experienced that day when she was at the cross. See, when Mary said yes to the angel, 
And Mary said yes to that angel. There were many blessings that she was blessed with. She was raising the son of God. I'm sure it was beautiful for her to be in the first row seat, looking at how Jesus grew up and how Jesus walked and talked and preached. She had the front row seat to that. Yes, there is a lot of blessings that are there for her. And even in the midst of those blessings, she was given this challenge to watch her son die. Friends, this morning, this is a challenge for us. This is the application for us. Many times we say yes to God when there are a lot of blessings that are around us. We kind of go to God and say, God, yes, I will say yes. I will do this as long as there is a blessing there for me. But I think what we learn from Mary is when we say yes to God, when we say yes to God, we will go through some really difficult challenges as well. I'm not sure if you're having a bad day, a challenging day, a challenging week, or a challenging season right now. That is part of following Christ. We will be faced with challenges, just like Mary did. But I want to share this with you. Even in that moment where Jesus is dying on the cross, Jesus looks to Mary and cares for her. Even in that moment of losing her son, Jesus continues to care for Mary. Friends, that is a reminder for you this day. If you are going through a difficult time, if you find yourself in front of that cross and you are facing agony, I want you to know that Christ looks from that cross and is going to comfort you and care for you. Let us pray. God, we thank you for this day, and we ask that your presence would be with us. God, for all of us who are going through difficult times, much like Mary did at the foot of the cross, God, we ask that your care would be there for us. God, that you would appoint somebody to care for us and to be with us in our time of need. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.